Welcome to Palmdale United Methodist Church's podcast for Sunday, June 9th, 2019. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Let us pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 2007, our family took a month-long trip to England. It was amazing. Technically, it was called a public exchange. Uh, so we uh, went and stayed in the home of a, United, or of a British Methodist pastor in England and lived in his house, uh, drove his car, and uh, preached at his church for four Sundays. And he came over to our church in Hawaii on the island of Oahu, and stayed in the parsonage, and drove our car around, and preached for four Sundays. We got to see England. He got to see Hawaii. It was a fabulous experience. Uh, The majority of our month was spent up north in the Lake District, but when we first came and when we left, we spent a couple days on both sides of of the trip in London, where we did a lot of the touristy things, including seeing a show or two Uh, One of the ones we saw was Mary Poppins. Now, my kids uh, loved the Disney movie. They had seen it when they were younger. They were in uh, middle school at this time. Uh, But to see it on stage was also uh, a whole other experience. It was amazing. And I had forgotten just how wonderful the movie Mary Poppins was until I rewatched it again this week in preparation for the series. Walt Disney said that Mary Poppins was one of his crowning achievements. And if you want to talk about Academy Awards uh, with uh, 13 nominations and five actual uh, Academy Awards, Mary Poppins was Walt Disney's most successful film in in history. Julie Andrews won her first uh, Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role with Mary Poppins. And not only was it the top-grossing movie in 1965, but it was the top-grossing Disney film for the next 20 years. It was that successful. Uh, It was also the first film that Walt Disney Studios released on DVD, uh, once DVDs became uh, such the rage. Well, based on P.L. Travers' series of books, Mary Poppins, the movie was not without controversy. Um, It took Walt 20 years uh, to make it, uh, to bring the story to the big screen, precisely because Miss Travers was so unwilling uh, to give up or to sell the rights to her book. And she and Walt differed quite a bit on the, uh, shall we say, creative approach to the film. Um, When all was said and done, even though it was a huge critical and box office success, uh, P.L. Travers believed that it varied too much from her original story, and at least during the course of her lifetime, she wasn't very pleased with how it turned out. If you're interested in that backstory, I highly recommend the 2013 film uh, Saving Mr. Banks, starring Tom Hanks and Emma Thompson, uh, that chronicles this 20-year endeavor to bring Mary Poppins to the big screen. Well, welcome to our, the second week in our annual series entitled Faith and Disney. And uh, for the next month or so, we're going to be looking at a different Disney film each week and then plunging its depths to see what themes of faith and spirituality that we can find in these movies that so many of us have come to love and cherish over our lifetime. Last week, we began with 101 Dalmatians, and today we look at Mary Poppins. The film opens in a park in London uh, with Bert, a jack-of-all-trades. Today he's a one-man band, and he's working for tips. Uh, but then he notices that the winds start to change. Something's a-coming, he says with a wry grin. 
over at number 17 Cherry Tree Lane, we see Mr. George Banks coming home from a long day of work, and he's greeted by Katie Nana, his children's nana, a nanny, who is quitting. Turns out the children have run away from her for the last time, and she has had enough. Well, George is uh, flustered because this is now the sixth nanny that they'll have had in four months. Uh, a few minutes later, the constable brings the children home. They'd actually just gotten lost while they were flying a kite in the park, and not necessarily trying to run away from Katie Nana. Well, George decides to take out an advertisement in the Times uh, because his wife had been in charge with hiring the nannies until now, and obviously that wasn't working. And so he makes a list of things that he wants to see in a nanny, including one that's very strict and disciplined. Well, that night, the children come down presenting their own advertisement of the qualities they would like to see in a nanny. And it turns out to be quite a different list from what their dad had prepared just a few hours earlier. Well, when they leave for bed, George rips it up, the children's one, after they've gone, of course, and throws it into the fireplace. But miraculously, the pieces fly up and out of the flue, and we know that something magical is coming. The following morning, a whole line of stern-looking nannies line up outside of number 17 Cherry Tree Lane. Uh, But before the clock strikes eight, which is the official time to start the interview process, a strong wind blows them all away, and in arrives Mary Poppins. Let's watch, as she is the first and only candidate to be interviewed by Mr. Banks. Due to copyright restrictions, we cannot play the audio version of the video clip we showed in worship. Our text today comes from the book of Psalms. It's often called the hymnal of Israel, but uh, Psalms is much more than just a collection of songs and lyrics. James L. Mays, in his interpretation commentary on Psalms, writes this. The book of Psalms is a virtual compendium of themes and topics found in the rest of the Old Testament. The marvelous works of God in creation, judgment, and salvation. Israel's story, the law of life, the holy city, and the presence there. The once and future Davidic Messiah. uh, Warnings against wickedness and exhortations to righteousness. The majesty and tragedy of the human condition. The everlasting and present and coming kingdom of God all belong to the agenda of the Psalms. But don't just take his word for it. What about the words of an early church father, Athanasius, who wrote this? It is my view that in the words of this book, the whole human life, its basic spiritual conduct, as well as its occasional movements and thoughts, is comprehended and contained. Nothing to be found in human life is omitted. Or take the word of the great Protestant reformer Martin Luther, when he said, the Psalter might well be called the Little Bible. In its is comprehended most beautifully and briefly everything that is in the entire Bible. Psalm 66 is a psalm, uh, a song that celebrates the deeds of God for the people of God. It has two parts. The first part, of which a portion was read for us this morning, is a congregational song of praise. The second part is an individual uh, who's singing a song of thanksgiving. And we'll look at both parts of them today, but first let's start at the very beginning. Psalm 66, verse 1. Make a joyful noise to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. Because of your great power, your enemies cringe before you. All the earth worships you. They sing praises to you. Sing praises to your name. 
If that beginning sounds familiar, it's also the beginning of Psalm 100. Uh, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. When I was growing up at a Baptist church in Scottsdale, Arizona, we had a children's choir, and the name of the children's choir was Joyful Noise, right? It's perfect. Notice it doesn't say, sing like an angel to the Lord, or uh, make sure you can carry a tune before you sing in public. No, it just says, make a joyful noise. It doesn't matter how well or poorly you sing, whether it's in or out of the shower, we are invited to make whatever comes out of our mouth joyfully. Amen. Psalm 66 uh, calls us to give God glorious praise. And really, there's so much that we have to be thankful about, isn't there? In our African-American brothers and sisters tradition, uh, many of them begin their prayers by saying, thank you, God, for waking us up this day, right? Or as Everett said this past Wednesday at the uh, men's breakfast, uh, it's nice to be able to watch the grass grow from the top down, not from the bottom up, right? Same same thing. We want to give thanks that God allowed us to breathe the breath of life this morning. So take a little bit of time every day to give thanks for the blessings that God has given you. The breath of life, a safe place to live, food to eat, friends and family to love and to be loved back by, a church to call home, wildflowers, desert scapes, mountains, trees, sunsets, even the cool breezes that come after a long, hot day in the high desert. The gift of music or sports or art, whatever it is that that fills you with joy, give thanks to that. The list can go on and on. And, And whatever the reason, we as people of faith are invited by the psalmist to give thanks to God every day. Don't keep it to yourself. So speak it, write it, draw it, sing it, rap it, however you want to express yourself. Just don't be silent. May your mouths and your bodies make joyful noises to the one who created us all. As Mary Poppins and the children, Jane and Michael Banks, get acquainted, they begin to realize that things are going to be a little bit different around the Banks house. Uh, Mary takes out her tape measure just to see how the children measure up. Uh, Michael is extremely stubborn and suspicious. And when Michael asks for Mary to be measured, she comes up practically perfect in every way. The children had advertised for a nanny who likes games, so the first game that Mary wants to play is called Tidy Up the Nursery. Now, who wants to pick up your your room, right? Nobody. But the children are dumbfounded when they start to see uh, beds making themselves, clothes putting themselves away in drawers, uh, toys willingly going back on the shelves, all the while Mary is singing a spoonful of sugar. And with no time, they are completely clean, Off to the park they go, but Michael says, but I want to stay and clean up some more. They had that much fun. Uh, At the park, Mary introduces them to Bert, who today is being a street artist. He's making wonderful pictures on the sidewalk with multicolored chalk. Bert tells the children that when you're with Mary Poppins, suddenly you're in places you never dreamed of before. And they're about to experience it. Let's watch as they embark on their first Uh, of many grand adventures with Bert and Mary. Well, the the children run off to explore the countryside, and Bert and Mary sing about the jolly holiday that they are about to have together, complete with a lunch hosted by dancing penguins. 
And then they make it uh, back with the children and get on a lovely carousel that actually comes off the track and starts them on an unexpected ride through the English countryside. Uh, And as if that wasn't enough, they stumble upon a a fox hunt, and Bert manages to rescue the poor old fox as being chased by the hounds. Uh, And then they join up with a horse race, the Derby, and Mary Poppins, of course, takes first place. She asks permission for the horses in front of them to move to the side so that she, a lady, can pass. Uh, what else can you say after an amazing afternoon like that except supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, even though the sound of it may uh, be something quite atrocious? Uh, Their day is cut short when it starts to rain and the chalk drawings start to smudge. And back home, the kids are too excited to sleep, so Mary encourages them to stay up by singing the song, Stay Awake, uh, which puts them right to sleep. Well, Jane and Michael are starting to see the pure joy that comes from spending time with Mary Poppins. In a similar vein, Psalm 66 invites us to find the joy in God's movement in our lives. Verse 5, come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds among mortals. He turned the sea into the dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let the rebellious not exalt themselves. Well, verse 5 is referring to, of course, uh, the famous Exodus uh, event when God led the Hebrew people out of slavery uh, in Egypt with Moses' help and into across the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. Interestingly, I found that the words for sea and river in Hebrew, uh, for sea it's yam, and for river nahar, these were actually the names of the personalized cosmic powers that the Canaanite god Baal overthrew in Canaanite mythology. So here the psalmist is testifying that not only did God save the Israelites through the Exodus, but also that God, he is Lord over all, including the neighboring gods. It's important to know your history. That's why the Bible is full of passages remembering what God has done in the past. To remember what God has done in the past is to believe in what God will do in our future. As the early worshiping congregations would sing Psalm 66, they would remember how awesome God has been as they look forward to what God will do for them, for their children and their grandchildren in generations to come. So what about us? What are some of the awesome deeds that God has done in your life? I mean, just as we ought to every day give thanks for the blessings in our lives, so too we need to remember those big moments where God has done amazing things in our past, like brought special people into our lives just at the right time, or help us find the right church when we needed it the most, or opening up that job opportunity, or blessing us with children, whatever it may be. I invite you to take some time every day, in fact, today, 15 or 20 minutes, and and list those big events over your life where God's hand has been there to give you amazing blessings. Write them down. Put it somewhere where you'll see it, on your refrigerator, on your bathroom door, by your nightstand, and read over those every so often. Remember what God has done so you can anticipate what God will do for you in the future. Mrs. Winifred Branks is aware of the marvelous things that have been happening in their family since Mary Poppins came to town. But George is not pleased that everyone seems to be exceptionally happy. He doesn't like it one bit and won't be forced to be cheerful, thank you very much. 
Mary Poppins and the children go out running errands that day, and Andrew the dog delivers Mary a personal message. Of course, Mary Poppins speaks dog. Why wouldn't she, right? The message was to head over to Uncle Albert's house, where once again, his laughing attack has seen him float up to the ceiling. Despite trying to keep themselves composed, Bert and the children also find themselves up with Uncle Albert uh, as he sings the famous song, I Love to Laugh. And in the song, he has all kinds of great, what we would call today, dad jokes, including, uh, I once knew a man with a wooden leg named Smith, whereupon another man asks, uh, what was the name of his other leg? Takes a while, but it'll come to you eventually. Uh, Mary Poppins is about to leave for tea when uh, they invite her to come up and have tea with them. And so she pulls the tea set out of her bag, uh, levitates the the table, and she floats on up and they enjoy tea together. Uh, And then when Mary says it's time to go, it is so sad that it just brings everyone back down to earth. That night, George brings Mary Poppins into the parlor to impress upon her the need for his children to have a serious view of life. Thank you very much. Mary Poppins asks if he wants them to walk in his footsteps. Yes, yes, exactly, he says. Good, then I will make sure that the children are ready for you to take them to work with you tomorrow at the bank. And before he knows what hits him, uh, the date is set. After Mary Poppins goes upstairs, George says, well, it'll be a good change from the shipshod, sugary female thinking that they get around this place. All right. This is what happens when Mary addresses the children. They've been so worried that she might be fired. Mary Poppins uses that snow globe as an intro to the song, Feed the Birds. It's a lovely song about an old beggar woman who sits on the steps of St. Paul's Cathedral and invites people to donate money so she can buy food to feed the birds. It underlies the deeper spiritual truth about thinking of others more than yourselves and reaching out to to meet needs in the community that you see around you. As the song ends, the children are fast asleep. Back to our psalm for today. We pick up at verse 8. It appears to be more of the same, of of, of calling praise to God's deeds. Verses 8 and 9. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept us among the living and has not let our feet slip. Again, it's it's a testimony to God's goodness. But then suddenly, the tenor of the psalm changes dramatically in verse 10. For you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You have brought us into the net. You laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. Yet you have brought us out to a spacious place. I remember riding home on an airplane over 20 years ago. I was flying back to Hawaii after spending a few days here on the mainland for a workshop for young clergy. And I was reading the Psalms, I don't remember which specific Psalm it was, and I was journaling about it, and and the writer was saying that uh, if God will do such and such a thing for him, then he will tell of God's goodness and sing praises to the congregation. And I remember, I even wrote about this, wow, why why can't he just praise God no matter what? Why does it have to be the, the conditional part of if? You know, you should be able to praise God at all times. Of course, I could say that at that time because uh, everything was going well in my life, in my ministry, in my family. And I kid you not, the very next day, 
uh, we were suddenly thrust in the most difficult period of our, at that point, seven-year marriage. Now, the details aren't important, but it took all that I had to be able to trust God and to praise God in the midst of something that I would never have asked to sign up for and never would have wanted anyone else to experience. And from out of that difficult time, Jody and I emerged as a stronger couple in our marriage and also deeper in our walk with Christ. So what about you? What are those dark nights of your soul? What are those times, the difficult times you've had in your own history? Maybe with relationships or job-related or when you, had a, you struggled financially to make it or there were some health challenges and complications that came or you got into an accident. What are those difficult periods of your life? If you would look back now, what would they be? What has God brought you through that has made you stronger and more able to rely on God's amazing grace? I mean, oftentimes we want to move ahead, right? We want to forget the past and get beyond these difficult moments. But the psalm is inviting us to spend time in those dark places. Archer Weiser, in his Old Testament library commentary in the Psalms, writes this. The history of suffering is the history of God's hidden grace, which leads to salvation. That's a powerful statement. It's okay to re-examine those painful moments from our past, to see them in a new light, how God may use them to bring new grace. Now, I'm not one of those people that say everything happens for a reason. I don't believe that. I think people, things happen because we make decisions or others make decisions that impact us. And not all of them are things that God would want for us. But I truly believe that God can take anything that happens in our lives and bring them for something good. This psalm reminds us to look back at those dark places and see how God brought us through those and to give thanks. Well, unbeknownst to Mr. Banks, he's about to go through a very difficult situation on his own. That following morning, he takes uh, the children with him to spend a day at the bank. And when they come to St. Paul's Cathedral, Jane and Michael see the beggar woman uh, that's feeding the birds, just like in Mary Poppins' song the night before. Michael has two coins in his pocket, a tuppence, and he wants to give that to the woman so that he can feed the birds, but his father, George, forbids it. Wasteful, he says. And when they enter the bank, his colleagues, wondering why he has brought his children to work, George says they're here to open an account. And Mr. Dawes Sr., the president of the bank, overhears the conversation. He comes out to personally help young Michael open his first account. And he sings the song, uh, Fidelity Fiduciary Bank, to impress upon Michael how much more important it is to give the tuppence to the bank than to give it to a woman to feed the birds. At which point, Mr. Dawes Sr. snatches the tuppence out of Michael's hand while Michael protests. He tries to get it back, uh, and suddenly panic ensues inside the bank as other clients hearing that the bank refuses to give someone's money back. Now they want to get their money back right away, and a widespread panic, uh, a run on the bank occurs, throwing the whole community into a dither. Uh, Jane and Michael uh, escape and run through the alleyways behind the bank along the Thames, and that's when they get caught by this man. Such a touching scene, isn't it? Good old Bert. 
Well, when he returns the children home, their mother Winifred is off to a women's suffrage rally. Uh, and it's Mary Poppins' day off, you know, the second Tuesday, uh, every other Tuesday. And so uh, Winifred talks Bert into watching the kids. Well, what can he do except teach them how to be a chimney sweep for that day? Uh, when suddenly a gust of wind comes and sucks Michael up out of the flue. Uh, followed immediately by Jane. Well, Bert is aghast, and when Mary Poppins comes down to start her day off, Bert talks her into uh, going along with them up on the rooftops, and the four of them head off to overview London. It is an amazing sight to behold. Wouldn't you know it, Bert also bumps into some of his fellow chimney sweeps, and they sing and dance in probably one of the most memorable scenes in a movie filled with memorable scenes, Step in Time. And uh, Mary Poppins and the children are thoroughly entertained. Uh, Then the whole lot of them come back down the bank's chimney and dance off into the night, leaving Father aghast. Now, I mentioned that the first half of the Psalms, uh, Psalm 66, is sung by the congregation. The second half is written from the perspective of an individual. And we won't go line by line in this, but I want you to listen to a few of the verses. Verse 13 and 14. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows, those that my lips uttered and my mouth promised while I was in trouble. So the psalmist is following through on his, uh, if you get me out of this, God, I promise I will fill in the blank, right? We've all been there at different times in our lives. Uh, And remember the previous passage that talks about God's presence through the troubles and the difficulties of life? Well, those verses remind us that those two can also be opportunities to give glory to God. Come and hear, all of you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for me. Truly God has listened. He has given heed to the words of my prayer. Blessed be God. So friends, every moment of our lives, from joy and gladness to tears and sadness, they can be opportunity to testify to God's amazing love, grace, and mercy. And it could just be that someone else needs to hear that this week, whether it's a family member, a neighbor, a co-worker, or a friend. Make an opportunity to give testimony to what God has done in your life. Well, here's how our movie wraps up. That evening, George gets a call from the bank. He has to come back at 9 p.m. From a very, for a very important and very serious meeting. Well, the children overhear the conversation. They're devastated about what's going to happen to their father on their behalf of the excursion earlier that day. George even openly laments to Bert how he never should have hired Mary Poppins. But Bert gets him thinking in new directions, especially reminding him how he's been so distant in the lives of his children lately. Jane and Michael come back downstairs before bed to apologize for how poorly things went. And and Michael even gives his tuppence to his father and says, you can do with it whatever you like. Well, just before 9 p.m., George heads out of the house, making the lonely walk back to the bank, where he comes face to face with the president, Mr. Dawes Sr., and the board of directors and they promptly relieve him of all of his duties. That's when we discover a change has actually started to come over George Banks. Well, the children are crestfallen to see the next morning Mary Poppins packing up her bags to leave. Their father comes bounding out of the cellar, singing with joy. He's mended Michael's kite that was broken at the very beginning of the film. They all head out of the house singing, let's go fly a kite. They dance on over to the park, leaving Mary Poppins to look out the window, marveling at the family transformation that has taken place under her care. Mission accomplished. 
There's dozens of kites flying up at the park, including one by Mr. Dawes Jr., who uh, regretfully informs George that his father died, died laughing, but it's okay. It was the happiest he had ever been in his entire life. And they offered George a spot back on the board of directors that his father had just vacated. Well, with bags in hand, Mary Poppins knows how much love has grown in the Banks family. And so she heads off to lend her services to someone else, somewhere else in London. It's truly an amazing film. And as I watched it and rewatched it this week, I found my heart lifted in so many ways. And I was drawn to another biblical passage from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18. Jesus says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And I think that's part of the message of Mary Poppins, don't you? That there's this childlike quality that God has instilled in each of us at our very core. But sometimes we just get caught up in in the busyness of life and the seriousness of the world, of all the responsibilities that we have to take care of, and we sometimes forget who we really are. That we are children of God who are created to experience awe and wonder and joy, giving thanks for the blessings in our lives and for the difficulties, knowing that God will be with us no matter what it is we're going through to bring us to a deeper and more meaningful faith and experience of life. And that's a promise. Sure as you can say, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Thanks be to God. <laughs> 